What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Saved by the Barbell podcast, the nationally ranked Saved by the Barbell podcast, may I add. (laughs) (laughs) Justin and I were just talking off air that uh, we were shocked and very, very happily surprised to see that we have been landing in the top Google Play charts for the podcast. Those are the things that Honestly, we don't really check that often. Um, I take a look at the analytics from time to time, but for the most part, our main concern is just putting a show out every week. But to see that people are listening and the podcast is growing, it is an awesome feeling. Very cool. No uh, doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty glad like, to know that we don't suck that much. Right, right. It yeah, is like, some validation. Yeah, we're not terrible at this. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, Justin and I were also just catching up off air because he and I haven't spoken in a couple weeks, um, at least uh, not anything other than our regular text, group text back and forth, which happens pretty much daily, every, um, day. every day. Shout out to Mitch Gill. I know he's listening. He's, oh, he's yeah. in text. Um, I, love, but I love Mitch. We've been busy. Uh, last week, I went to the complete, even more complete hip and shoulder blueprint workshop with Tony Gentlecorn, Dean Somerset, which was our episode from last week. Justin, unfortunately, was not able to be there. Uh, he, he, you had like a family reunion or something that week, didn't you? Yeah, man. I was in, I was in the middle of nowhere in a town called French Lick, Indiana, which is about two and a half hours south of Indianapolis. Um, it's basically nothing and a casino slash resort. So, okay. yeah, I mean, like, basically, you're, if, you don't, if you're not on Wi-Fi, you're not getting service. So <laughs> I was kind of off the grid, you know, just trying to make a couple bucks down there and uh, – yeah, man, that's kind of how that, that whole thing went. Um, I do want to shout out French Lake because that is the home of Larry Bird. Oh, I didn't know that's that. Where, that's where Larry Bird's from. And uh, I was actually lucky enough to go to this restaurant that is uh, the owner is a friend of Larry Bird's. And uh, they let me kind of look around at their memorabilia and stuff that they had at the sports bar and actually put on Larry Bird's warm-up jacket from the dream team olympics <laughs> which was pretty cool I'm i not saw that lie. picture yeah that's, that's epic. pretty badass yeah that's awesome man and then this week you were at a basketball tournament it looked like all week and that's kind of where we want to take the show today talking a bit about youth sports justin i think has some hot takes that he wants to lay on the line uh, so I'm going to let you take it away and just kind of explain your observations, your thoughts after uh, hanging out with some of the younger kids uh, in today's youth sports scene. Yeah, man, for sure. So um, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Overtime. If you guys are not following Overtime on uh, Twitter or Instagram, it's you know it's probably – top five, if not the best uh, sports highlight account out there. So I was out there with Overtime. Um, they do, they're do; they really, really heavy in basketball, especially high school basketball, um, doing, you know, mixtapes and exposure events and, and just funny memes and stuff online. So 
um, Overtime sent me out there. I got some connections with those guys. And they sent me to this exposure camp, um, which I haven't been to an exposure camp in a really long time. Um, it's a little bit different setup. You basically get drafted to a team and then you play games for the entire weekend. So there's no drills. There's no coaching, um, which is not a good or a bad thing. It's just not what you do at an exposure event. Um, it's not really a developmental type of thing. It's it's more for getting out in front of coaches and scouts and, and just <laughs> letting it fly, you know what I mean? So that's where I was um, at the M- MH – or excuse me, the MSH TV camp. So this is the biggest um, exposure camp for 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth graders in the nation. Um, so a lot of big dogs were there, a lot of, a lot of big names, and, uh, you know, a little bit of everybody in, in terms of talent level and skill level. But, you know, I, I nothing against the camp, obviously, because the camp is just specifically – to play you know what I mean you go there to play that's what you expect but I did leave there with just some overall general concepts and thoughts on where this age group is in basketball specifically and and maybe even sports in general and so you know again this is these are my thoughts and these are my thoughts on general concepts of sports that has nothing to do with the camp it has nothing to do with specific kids or coaches or anything like that but I did want to share some of those with you guys and, and with you Kevin because I found myself getting frustrated as a you know a coach I don't coach basketball anymore but as a strength coach or somebody that works with kids I just saw a lot of things that I just don't really understand and I don't feel that there's a there's a real um, solution being presented right now. And, and um, you know, I wanted to see if maybe it's something that you saw in, in your athletes as well, or if you've seen, you know, you're not that much younger than me, but um, while you were growing up playing sports, if, if there was a shift or something that led to this, because these were all things that were foreign to me. Like, I, I just didn't understand them, and I hadn't been to an event like this in such a long time that I had no idea they yeah. were happening. So, um, you know, the first thing that really caught my eye is that there is a – how do I want to say this? There's just a – people want to be too cool. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that. I hate how important it is to look cool in today's youth athletics. Um, it just, it's weird. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like trying hard is not cool now. And so it's, it, that doesn't happen that often. So what basically what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of youth athletes out there that, that are more concerned with how they look um, both, you know, in appearance, but also like in like their swag, the way they play, their body language. They're more concerned with how cool those things look rather than what's really cool, which is kicking the shit out of another team or another player, like whoever's guarding you or whatever. 
Yeah. So it's just weird to me. That's not something that I understand. It, it was never like that. Like when and I don't want to sound grumpy, you know what I mean? Like get off my lawn back in my day type shit. But like when we were growing up, dude, it was like at an exposure event, you're going balls out. Like you're, you're going to probably end up, you know, getting a little scrappy. You might get some floor burns on your knees. You, you might get a bloody lip banging down the post. You're taking it personal every single possession, whether you're on offense or defense. And you develop like almost like a slight hatred for the other team, at least for that time being. But um, now it's, it's like reading these kids' body language and stuff. It's, it's more about looking like you're relaxed and just chilling and cool. And if, you know, if you try a move and it doesn't work, you just kind of like smirk it off. And, you know, like that's, that's, that's weird, man. Like you should have emotions about that. And I don't know if it's just with basketball, but I I feel like in general, um, the body language and the swag of kids is more, is more about like, hey, look at me, I'm cool, I got the juice, you know, I'm I'm hot shit, rather than just going out and getting it done and being ferocious and and maybe you know not looking so cool for a second because you're diving on the loose ball and and you run into the bleachers and get a bloody lip or something like that, you know what I mean? Like it's that piece was just missing for me the entire weekend. I, I just saw way too much cool, yeah, and not enough, not enough just animal out there you know what I mean see I will say that I I saw that and experienced that in high school I remember that pretty well and I don't know that it was every person but I mean like I can remember even me like myself sometimes would I would think about that like how I look while I'm out there on the court and it wasn't necessarily when I was, it was like more when I wasn't involved in a play, like if I'm playing off ball defense, or if I'm, you know, sitting in the corner at the three point line or something like that, or even after I take a shot, what I do after the shot. And, and now that you're kind of bringing all these things up, I'm thinking back to myself and some of my teammates. And like, like 90% of the time, I can't remember like pulling up for a shot and following that shot to get a rebound or like even, you know, finding my man if I made it and, you know, getting back on defense. It was more like acting like it was easy, you know what I mean? And I think it was because maybe because the best players on our team and like the best players that we played against made it look so easy because they're like leaps and bounds better than everybody else on the court talent wise. Uh, But it was almost like everybody else was trying to act like it was just as easy for them too. Um, And you know, like I was always a hustle player. That was my thing. I mean, it was no secret. I was the only white guy on the team my senior (laughs) year. So I was there to shoot and to hustle. Like I wasn't fooling anybody. Yeah. Um, and so I still got after it, but I definitely recall times where I would take plays off or kind of like just just stand there trying to look cool, which was probably really 
really fucking stupid in retrospect. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. <laughs> but I see it all the time now as well. And, and it's like, it isn't just in basketball. It's in, it's in all sports. It, it's, you know, you see it in, uh, in all these little highlight videos from the youth level that kids are a lot of times just as focused on making the highlight play and looking cool doing it uh, as they are winning or even more so. Yeah. So that brings up a hilarious story that like kind of connects this. So, you know, obviously I was not the perfect athlete. I don't think there is a perfect athlete. Everybody takes plays off. Everybody, you know, leaves their arm up on a jump shot instead of following at, following after it. You know yes, what I mean? Like yes. every now and then that that happens. That's totally acceptable and totally understandable for it to happen every now and then. And but we're talking about these like these like uh habits that are starting to take over the game, right? So <laughs> here's a story like I think I don't even remember. It might have been my senior year. Um my coach, so we were sponsored by Adidas. And so we could wear any Adidas shoe, but coach preferred that we wore the team shoe. But, you know, if, if you really wanted to wear an other Adidas shoe, that was cool. And so another thing that was cool back at the time was wearing tall tees under, or a T-shirt under your jersey. <laughs> so coach was not going for it. and you know, after a certain amount of times, kids begging you, you're eventually going to give in. So we begged and begged and begged. All we wanted to do was wear freaking T-shirts under our jerseys, right? White tees under our jerseys. And it was always a no, 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 no. Like everybody looks uniform. Everybody has to, uh, you know, uphold this standard. And then finally, one day, I'll never forget, he let us do it. He let us wear any shoe, any Adidas shoe, and any white tee or uh, uh, white tee under our jersey. If every single player wore the white T-shirt, and so we're like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Let's wear these white tees. We'll go out here and kick the shit out of this team." We were playing New Palestine, which is like an easy win. I mean, we beat them by like fifty every year, and so we go out there and. We're only up by six at halftime. First thing he says, <laughs> we get in the locker room, everybody take the fucking white T-shirts off and put on your team shoes right now. So we had to come out in our, you know, team shoes, no white T-shirts, back to the basics. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's funny that something so little can, can make a high school kid college kid or even younger lose you know the task at hand is you know like something so little as being focused on your t-shirt or being focused on how your sleeve looks you know wearing a supreme a supreme arm sleeve like like kelly Oubre or jr smith you know what i mean yeah that something so simple can take your mind off what's actually at hand because you're trying to be cool instead of trying to be a badass. And the funny thing is that being a badass is actually cool. Like, winning a game is cool. Why, why is it 
not weighted as appropriately as wearing an arm sleeve or rocking the newest shoes or playing with your jersey untucked. Like, why are those things weighted more heavily than just going out there and actually winning the game? And so, you know, the, the studs, get you, they get away with it because they're so much better that they can do that and still win the game. So it's a, it's a win-win for them. But for the, the average player, it's really not advantageous to focus on those things because you're, you're presenting yourself like you're the top guy, but you're not. They get away with it, which is unfortunate because – if they didn't, then it wouldn't happen so often. But they get away with it, so nobody says anything. But right. when a mediocre player, you know, or like a JV-type player tries it, they end up losing. Now it's a lose-lose because you lost, and that's not cool. So even though you look cool, you, you lost, and that sucks. And so you're, you're a loser. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just it, – it was funny, and it was just bothering me how – how cool everybody wanted to be. And I couldn't wrap my mind around it. It was just, especially, you know, when you're paying, like, you know, when your, your parents are paying money, $350 to get in this thing, right? If I would have performed like some of these athletes are performing, and I'm not talking about skill level, I'm talking effort. Man, my dad would have said, yo, let's go home. You're yeah. wasting my time. You're wait- this, this gym is 45 minutes away from our house. We could be doing other stuff. I could be cutting the grass. You could be helping me clean the house. You're going out there and you're going to put, on that, put out that type of effort and present yourself with that body language. And not only are there coaches and scouts watching, but I'm watching and you don't even have the respect to present yourself in front of your parents in a better way let's go home. Like, shit, you, you might as well be done. That's the case if that's how you're going to act. Yeah. So it was just, you know, and maybe it's because I'm a parent now too. But, yeah, I just kept seeing my son out there. You know, like I kept picturing like, holy shit, if Julian was walking back on defense like that, I would I, – I don't know what I would do, man. Like that's yeah. that's unacceptable to me. Right. <laughs> and – I probably am overreacting, but it's still, man, it's just, it bothered me so bad because of how hard I know people have to work to get to certain levels of the game. And uh, when they're not, you know, as talented naturally. And so it just, it was, it was just unsettling to watch some of these players operate and just, I don't know uh, when that became like the new normal, but, you know, just talking with friends and parents and clients and coaches and skills trainers in the area about what I saw, they're like, yeah, man, I agree. It's getting bad. Like I've seen it a lot. I've, I've seen it develop in kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, I guess I'm part of the problem too. Anybody who works with youth athletes at any level, even though I'm not on the court, the field, whatever, you know, we play a part in that behavior. So we have to do better. Like I have to dig deeper and find ways to make more of an impact where even though I'm telling a kid how to lift weights, not how to present himself on a basketball court, 
maybe something I say in the weight room can translate over so he knows that type of behavior is not cool. Um, but, yeah, man, coaches have to do better. We have to do better as a whole because it was it was just not cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's where I was going with it next is as a parent, you know, you'd like to think that other parents share that same sentiment. Like I can't really imagine – my kid acting that way and me not saying something. And for me, I remember like the worst for me was in baseball. And probably around the time I was in middle school, I would say it was before high school. Um, when I was playing competitively, like very competitively, you know, travel team every weekend, different city tournaments, high, you know, high, high level baseball. Um, and man, like, I, I used to be a brat some of those games. Like I think back on it now, again, like in retrospect, you had this, this hindsight 2020, but you know, I'd like strike out and throw my bat in the dugout and like pout my way back out to the field and shit like that. And obviously like my parents would say stuff to me after the game. Um, but it was kind of like in one ear out the other. And I wish maybe like now, I, I would probably like show a video of like if my kid did that, I would show a video of my kid to to himself, like if Gavin did it, and and say like, look at you right now, like like this, you're, <laughs> you know, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, like would you recruit that? You right, know what exactly. I mean? like, ask your kid, would you honestly recruit that? Yeah, and it's it's just so interesting because I I do feel like it has been a thing uh forever but now in this day and age it's so much more visible that like you said like any college any school could find the tape of you and like even just one instance like that that could be it like they just don't want somebody like that on their team and there you go like that's that that's could be your shot it. yeah exactly because look let's be real at the next level whatever your next level is the gap Eric Eric's gonna be so happy if he hears this. He says this all the time. The gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller every level you go up. Like every single level, the the wiggle room or the difference between talent gets so small. Right. Smaller and smaller and smaller. So like this whole thing with Vontae Davis right now, quitting and retiring at halftime. Yeah. Like that pissed me off. Because I trained a cornerback who got cut from the NFL, played in the CFL, wanted to come home back to America because it was tough on his family. Now he's getting in the AAF. And I'm like, you know, you were on that same level. You played in the NFL. So that tells me you are at least on the same level as Vontae Davis in terms of talent and skill. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out, whether it was system, timing, whatever. And he's killing himself to make this AAF league. Right. And Vontae Davis quits and retires at halftime. Like, that's so disrespectful because there's hundreds of thousands of people like my client and like other athletes out there who would literally kill to be in that position. And, exactly. Yep. And it's just like – you're going to disrespect your coaches, teammates, and yourself in that way. And 
you know, I don't know if he has injuries. I don't know if he has, you know, uh, mental instability. But really it doesn't matter because that's unexcusable behavior for an adult to do that in the middle of a game. And it's just kind of laughable in a way because I've never heard of anyone doing that, not even like kids in Little League. But, you know, it's, it's, that's just an example. Um, there's, there's such a small gap when you get to that higher level of play, whether it's moving from JV to varsity or from varsity to D1 or from NAIA transferring into D1 or going to a pro, there's, you can get replaced so quick. Like, I guarantee you by the end of the week, the Bills are going to sign a cornerback. Totally. And two weeks from now, we're not even going to give a shit about Vontae Davis. Right. Because the gap is that small. And so, first of all, let's say he wasn't retiring. Let's say he just quit or whatever. That would be his last time in the NFL uniform because they can go get somebody else with more respect and responsibility who's just as talented and probably cheaper. So it's just one of those things, you know, these kids, they think it's all cool, but somebody sees that, that's their first impression of you. They're going to recruit that because chances are there's somebody else somewhere who's just as good as you who tries harder. Yep. And that's all that that matters. You know what I mean? That's all that matters. Like if – if I'm looking at two athletes who are the exact same talent level, actually, no, screw it. If I'm looking at somebody who's a 10 out of 10 talent level and player B is a 9 out of 10, but he tries harder, I'm taking player B. Yeah. Flat, flat out because I can get a 9 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10 because he tries harder. If a 10 out of 10 doesn't try for shit and has a poor attitude – I don't really want – he's a zero to me. Right. Because you can't coach him up. Well, that's what you were saying right after after you came back is you told me the talent level is a 10 out of 10. The talent level on these kids nowadays is at an all-time high, but the intangibles, like all the other things, are all-time low, and it's, and it's noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, talent level, I've never seen more talented kids ever like these kids are insane they're so good and so young and some of them are so big to be so talent level is at an all-time high but some of the intangibles I mean they're missing and so that evens out the playing field because just like we just said I mean it takes both you have to have the intangibles to to uh accompany your talent and if you don't, then you're just single dimensional. And let's say you never get better from ninth grade on. Well, then you're just a, a okay player by your senior year with a shitty attitude. Yeah. Now the other guy, he keeps improving because he has a good attitude, good intangibles. And so his okay talent level gets elevated with that. So by his senior year, he's not only better than you, but he's more recruitable, more coachable, and overall a better teammate and better athlete to have around the locker room so I have a all-time story I I was like trying to find the right spot to to jump in with this because but what (laughs) you just said like this is the right time so um in high school 
we played against this dude named Tommy Mason Griffin. I may have told you this story before. Uh, he, he was a beast. He went to Madison High School. Madison is one of the, was one of the basketball powerhouses down here. Um, they beat us the previous year. So my junior year, they beat us in the playoffs to continue on uh, to the state championship and all that good stuff led by Tommy Mason Griffin he went to Oklahoma he was a point guard um incredibly talented and I'm, I'm saying like you know we had a couple guys on our team who are really good as well uh one of them went to New Mexico and played and then went overseas and then another one went to Marquette nice. um so there are no no slums you know like they they were ballers and Tommy Mason Griffin was you know, probably better than both of them and probably the best player that I've ever seen live, like in high school. Uh, definitely the best player I've ever played against. And he <laughs> – so for our game, my senior year, he – it was at their home high school. We were away. Uh, and I remember getting there to warm up and, like, everyone was kind of, like, looking for him and he wasn't there. And um, he, like, rolls in at the end of warm-ups. And, you know, both teams have, kind of like you were saying with the tall tees, but, like, both teams have standard warm-up uniforms that you wear. You know, it's like a full track jacket, pants, all that stuff. Uh, and Tommy Mason Griffin rolls in, and he's wearing no team colors, nothing. <laughs> he's just wearing like – he's wearing a jumpsuit, but it's just like a black Nike jumpsuit, headphones in, pulls up at the end of warm-ups, just takes the jumpsuit off, has his jersey on underneath, and walks out on the court. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck y'all, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so straight up, he just rolled up ready to go. Uh, and, I mean, like, he, he was balling, and they kicked our ass that game too. And they were probably up double digits really early. <laughs> and, uh, for, uh, for the entire second quarter, I, this is a true-ass story. You can ask any of my teammates. They'll definitely remember this. For the entire second quarter, he did not cross half court. He did not cross <laughs> half court. He stayed on the offensive side of the court. And they played five on four defense against us. And they, they were still good. Like, they still were beating us. But he literally stood on one side of the court with his hands on his knees and waited. And then they would bring the ball up and give him the ball, and he would just do his thing. And it was the yes. most – and he would call himself in and out of the game. Like, he would just walk over to the bench and stand there until it became a dead ball. And then he'd go sit down at the end of the bench. And he would check. He would also check back in when he felt like it. It was the the most absurd showing ever. And I don't. I don't know anything about the guy. I don't. You know. I don't know anything beyond that. But I do know that he did not complete his freshman year at Oklahoma. He dropped out, and I don't know what have to happened to him after that. I think he may have played a little bit in the. D League or overseas or something like that, but I know it didn't pan out well. And I'm not saying it was because of that attitude, uh, but it probably wasn't the best indicator either. And, yeah. <laughs> and 
Dude, this has been so funny, man. Like, it's so bad. It was like a movie. Like, we were living in a movie. It was wild. As a coach, at like, uh, man, I'm sorry, but I'd rather not have you on my team and lose than you pull that shit, embarrass me and our team and our school and your teammates and and maybe win. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like – if I'm – okay, so let's say from the coach's perspective, and this, this coach is a high school basketball coach. Maybe he has aspirations of coaching Oklahoma one day. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, and so you got all these college scouts coming to see your stud player, and they're watching this game like, holy shit, what is this kid doing? Why is this coach allowing him to do that? So then they go back to the office on Monday, like, yeah, you know, Tommy, he, he's really good, bad attitude. Like, his, he kept not going past half court and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like the coach that lets it happen. And so anytime that your resume gets passed around, they see X high school and they're like, oh, that's where Tommy Mason Griffin went. Yeah. I heard that coach is shitty and lets him get away with anything. You know, it's just like people talk and, uh, Obviously, I don't know him, the coach, whatever, but it's just – it's it's not good when that's your focus is the bottom line. It's 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 never going to end well because eventually it's going to – the talent gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and so it eventually, eventually is going to close you out if you don't have the intangibles to go along with that talent. I mean, I've seen it so many times, man. It's like it, – it never gets old. And I know that – I know for a fact that it was happening when I was in high school. I just – I didn't see it a lot because I didn't under – I just – I felt like I was different and I think my teammates were different and people at my high school were different. Yeah. And there was definitely some of there's, – there's always going to be boneheads wherever you go. But I felt like – just that environment that we were in, maybe for those four years, where it was just maybe a little bit more mature. Um, you know, I, I go back and I, I, a lot of the kids that I train, uh, I'll pick them up from school if they don't have rides and if they, you know, need transportation, I'm, I'm taking them around, you know. And when I do pick them up from school, that's that's one thing that I, I did notice and – I'm waiting there and I'm I'm looking like, man, these kids look young. Yeah. Like, small. And one day, um, one of my adult clients who trains at the same he's a he's an athlete, uh, he trains at the same time as some high school kids, he was having some car problems. So I was like, Well, I'll pick you up because I gotta go pick up some dudes from from this high school and we'll just you know, sweep around and, and pick everybody up. So I'm sitting there with him and he's about my age. And we're waiting on the high school kids to get out. And then, you know, we both at the same time look at each other like, damn, these kids look tiny and young. And then he goes, and he's a freak. He's like 6'5", 260. He was like, I feel like, I feel like we weren't that little in high school. And I said, first of all, you were not that little. <laughs> like, you were different. But at the same time, I felt like I was not that scrawny and – immature looking but looking back it's easy to say that but I do think 
that's one thing that I, that I see when I go to pick up these kids is like, man, they just look like kids. And I felt like we were more, obviously not adults, but I, I just felt like we were treated older than we were and maybe acted a little older than we were. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it kind of freaked me out when I saw it this weekend. Cause I, I hadn't seen it in such a long time, but obviously it's easy to say now as an adult looking back 10 plus years ago, like I'm a hundred percent sure I was a piece of shit a lot of times, um, whether on the court or off the court or in the weight room or whatever, but it just wasn't the norm. And I feel like now it's becoming very, very normal right. to kind of act like, like too cool. And that's really the point that I wanted to drive home was that I wanted to see if any coaches listening, you know, started to notice these trends or have ever noticed these trends, um, this kind of behavior. And I think definitely it's something that needs to be concentrated on, at least for basketball, for, for a fact, I can speak on that. Um, other sports I don't follow as closely, um, but for basketball, I can definitely say there's a culture of coolness and it's not cool at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it transcends basketball for sure. And, and I can say in the weight room, even with people that I've worked with, like in my classes and they're not even, a lot of them aren't even like high school kids. I'm talking college kids or just young adults. Um, they're afraid to be vulnerable in, in the gym. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to handle a weight that they're not absolutely positive that they can complete the reps. Like or they, they, not even that they would fail, but that they would struggle with it. Like they want to breeze through the reps. And so a lot of my coaching, in, especially in that setting in the classes, is to get people okay with being vulnerable. Like, you know, and I guess this, this is for adults too, but you know, if, if you're just cruising through the gym every day and you're, you know, the weights are flying up and you're not putting a heavier weight in your hand, then it's just the same as you standing in the corner on the basketball court. Like you're just not really doing anything for yourself. It's, and it's not cool uh, because at the end of the day, you're there for a purpose. And if you're trying to take it easy and make it look like you're, you know, everything's light work, then you're, just, you're only hurting yourself and your own progression. Exactly. Yeah. It's, that's perfect. That's the, the best way to describe it ever is that people are just scared to be vulnerable because they're scared to fail because they think failure is such a big and bad thing, but really failure is how you grow. Yeah. And failure, failure is essential. And if you don't fail, then you're never going to know what your limits are. And if you don't know what your limits are, you don't know how to, you know, surpass those and it's just a cycle if you never surpass the limits then you're, you're just gonna be average at whatever you do um for for as long as you keep doing it yeah. and then you keep that same attitude and apply it to something else and you're just gonna keep being average so failure is necessary vulnerability is necessary grittiness is necessary a lot of times the process or really the outcome doesn't look cool doesn't look good but um if you get the job done that's what matters. Like results at the end of the day are 
are results. That that's what stands. That's what people remember. So um, if you want to be memorable, you got to win. If you want to win, you gotta you gotta go all out sometimes and and get ugly. So yeah, that's really my takeaway, man. I dig it. That was good, man. I'm I'm glad you got some positive feedback from this that we could share with the people. Uh, now most uh, most of us aren't in those environments anymore, and so. You're on the ground level, on the ground floor, giving us the dirty scoop. The dirty scoop coming from Pace <laughs> Fitness Academy. Yeah, man. It's, I, <laughs> I told one of my athletes today, I was like <laughs> telling him about this topic that we were going to do. He's a sophomore in high school, and he's, he's all business, man. Like he's, I love this kid. He's really cool, likes to joke around. We love to have fun, but like, He's all business when it comes to training and getting better. And he was just, he had so many things to say about <laughs> other kids. And I was like, you realize like you're only 16. You're talking, you're talking about like this generation, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you are this generation. You're just different. You're just different. You're built yeah. different. And there are so many kids that are also different who are not, uh, a generalization of their generation. You right. Know? I totally get that. There's, there's probably a one-to-one ratio, if I had to guess, of, you know, these iGen or whatever, Generation Z or whatever they're called, um, you know, that are actually the stereotype. And then there's some that are super awesome and love to bust their ass. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he was cracking me up like – talking and I, I just stopped and like hold on bro you're you're talking like you're those are your people bro older than me i was like yeah, yeah. you're talking like, like you ain't part of the problem and we just <laughs> we had a good laugh about it because it just it made me feel good that um somebody that i know and work directly with and that i really really take an interest in sees it within his peers and knows that it's not cool yeah. and so that tells me i guess at our facility we're doing some something right and obviously at home he's very very well raised by his parents and so it was just a good a good um positive coming off off of the heels of that tournament feeling how I was feeling so good stuff man and shameless plug here since I kind of mentioned generation z uh look out for an article that I have coming out on team builder about how to how to get the most out of your younger generation athletes, which is going to cover millennials and the iGen, which is the generation Z, which people often don't understand the difference. Um, millennials are a lot of people think they're kids. The, the youngest millennials are 24 right now. So these are not your high school kids. Um, there's a bit of confusion on that and people are mixing the two up and I think it's important to differentiate the two. Your high school kids are iGen. They're, that's their nickname, the iGen, like an iPhone. Gotcha. Those, those are high school kids. Um, I believe they're as old as 23 now, but as young as six, if I don't quote me on that, but, but, Millennials are 24 years old now and, and as old as 38. So What? 38? Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of confusion on these generations. And, 
And it's even funny, you'll get some 38-year-olds talking about how the millennials are fucking everything up. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That, that you're a millennial. So, oh, shit. Uh, check your facts on that because, um, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not what a lot of people think it is. And, Interesting. And this article is going to detail kind of how to get the most out of those, those people and that generation covering like i said the millennials which is generation y and the generation z which is the iGen. so keep a lookout for that i think it's pretty helpful but i also wanted to just throw that out there because there's some confusion there and it can actually help when you know what these kids or what these adults and young adults are prone to based on their generation and help communicate with them based on that so nice Shameless nice. plug is over. I appreciate it. We'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, for all you guys listening out there, thank you for your continued support, for keeping us in the charts. We're, that's something that we're going to have to pay a little bit closer attention to uh, so we can keep you updated on where we stand. Uh, but share this episode with a friend, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. And we will see you next week for episode. 60? Is it 60? It could be 60. I, I think, think it's it 60. We'll Don't. go with that. Episode 60. Peace.